Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with my second guest who's about to perform at Capitol Hill Block Party of this year. This marks like the, the second year of having Capitol Hill Block Party guests on, so I'm super excited. Uh, before living in Seattle, he was in a band called Pompeii in Texas. Um, now here in Seattle, he has a solo project. I'm pretty sure it's a solo project, early internet, right? With friends. With friends, yeah. okay. <laughs> in a new project called, uh, or a newish project called <laughs> Early Internet. It's uh, my pleasure to have on Dean Stafford. Thanks a lot. Hell yeah. So let's let's start in the present and then maybe work our way backwards a little bit. So sure. vice versa, like a reverse, you know? Um, so early internet, I think your first project came out in 2019 as early internet? Yeah. Somewhere around there? Yeah. Um, I released the first, uh, well, the first record came out October of 2021. Yeah, uh, I think. Or 2022. It's all a blur because of COVID. Okay. But basically, the first single did come out, I want to say, in 2019. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Blankets. And then how did, how did that come to be? Oh, man. Uh, I I was in Austin. I wrote the first song, Blankets, years ago, like mm. the first version of it in like 2010 at a friend's house. Um, and then it just was on the back burner. It didn't fit with the band I was in at the time. I just didn't think it was going to come to fruition. And then right. years later... Um, I don't know, it was always just kind of toying around. And then when early internet, when I started being like, I'm going to try to do a solo thing for a while, um, I just pulled together as many songs as I could. I almost forgot how to write a full song myself mm-hmm, without yeah. a band. Um, and so, uh, that was one of the ones that I remembered. And then I just, it was part of like thir- a batch of 30 demos, Dang. sent them all to my producer, um, Devin Corey in Los Angeles. And then uh, that was one of them that got picked, and that ended up being the first single that we went wow. with. So. And have you always had a producer, even in, in a band? Or because yeah. that's kind of a confusing thing where some people feel like bands don't have producers, but sometimes they do as well. Yeah, um, in the band, the the my old band, it was like um, the first producer was kind of like almost assigned to us by our old label, mm. but we loved working with a great producer. Uh, and then the second one. Um, just through mutual friends and uh, kind of serendipity, and then and then the third one was just somebody we kind of knew played uh, recorded a lot of bands that we admired, and so we went with them. So it was always kind of like a hodgepodge. This time around, it was more intentional. I knew I wanted more of like a kind of pop sound and production versus just like you know another indie dad rock band that I was <laughs> kind of on a trajectory toward becoming. Not that I love some dad rock, you know, but. Um, but I was uh, kind Breakdown, of. Breakdown, what is dad rock for people so, who don't know? You know there's I so think many different types of rock. Out there's there, just you know? this archetype um, of like, and I, I don't, I should not do any sort of stereotyping, but <laughs> when men reach a certain age, I feel like, and they, they grow up listening to like either like punk, indie, or college bands, it, it kind of like, there's this archetype of like, you know, the bearded, um, scruffy, kind of depressed looking guy yeah. who, <laughs> who, who just is, uh, I, I don't know, really becomes obsessed with like Wilco or something. And okay. I love Wilco, but, uh, but I was like, you know, I want, um, I love live bands. I love collaborating in live bands. I just been doing it so much and been mm-hmm. absorbed in that world that I was always kind of fascinated with like, even when I was a kid, I would like jam up like Ace of Bass, you know, like I saw the sign, you know, and like, and just, I love pop music, you mm-hmm. know? And I was, I felt like, um, this project was an opportunity for me to kind of be unashamed about that yeah. versus like the indie cred, you know, that I felt kind of like I was masking myself with. 
Um, if that makes sense, I don't know, but I just felt more liberated to be like, mm. I want to work with a pop, more pop produced, um, uh, perspective. And I just happened to meet Devin at, um, my producer at, uh, a house party. I was playing a house show in LA Nice. and I, I heard some of his stuff. And as soon as I met him, I was like, I was like, I'm going to fly you to Austin. I had a couple of drinks and I was like, I'm going to fly you to Austin. And, uh, and I did. And we, we did the whole first record in Austin, Texas and wrapped it up in LA. And then I moved to LA. Dang. Well, I'm happy you stuck with it though. Yeah. I definitely had a few times where like, I've been at a party where I, I don't know. I tell someone the answers to the universe and I don't remember that whatsoever. And then they'll be like, I had I, what you said to me that one night like stuck with me for the rest of my life. You know? Yeah. I'm like, Fuck. <laughs> and, then you're, and then at the end you're like, come on my show anytime. And I was like, I don't know. Did I say that? <laughs> but also back to the dad rock, just to wrap that up. Uh, yeah. That's the perfect the Wilco reference. It's fucking <laughs> perfect. <laughs> that's just like what I think of. It's like all of my friends who are still in Austin. It's like, it's like one day, you know, I'm, they're all wearing like denim jackets with like pins yeah. and they're like still punk and like, and then like I'll run into them years later and they all have like Stetson hats oh, and man. like <laughs> and boots and like, yeah, and play like lap steel or whatever, which again, not knocking it. Mm-hmm. There's a special place in my heart for that. Still, still love and, and miss the homeland, Texas. I was just there. Um, but uh, yeah, just wanted to spread my wings and fly into the pop world, you know. Got it. So you went from Texas to L.A. to Seattle. Like how, why Seattle of all places? Yeah, so... I think first there was the seed in my mind growing up where my sister, who's older than me, mm. um, actually I have her name tattooed on me. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah. She she was responsible for a lot of my early music development. I would like just go in her room and find all her CDs and listen. And a lot yes. of it was Seattle-based artists. You know, of course, grunge was like big when she was coming of age. And um, so like uh, the tale as old as time, like bands like Nirvana, mm-hmm. you know, and like that kind of thing. It was like, wow, this is so cool. And it was this kind of like um, fictional place in my mind of like where like all this cool art is happening. Yeah. Um, obviously like a different place and environment than Texas with all the the, tr- the trees mm-hmm. and, and just kind of dreamy. And uh, so there was that. And then years later, my sister actually moved to Seattle mm. and has lived here for like 15 plus years. And I would come visit and I would just have her drop me off, you know, in nice. like Capitol Hill. And I would just like try to befriend strangers, just like what's going on to try to. And I would end up in these like cool art spaces watching shows, wow. DIY shows. And so that was part two. And then the third was kind of like mid pandemic when I was in L.A. And I was practically living down almost downtown, um, just like on the east side and downtown. And then um, it was but I couldn't. I, I couldn't enjoy LA like as much as I was when I first moved there. Cause mm-hmm. you know, we were on lockdown and all that. And, um, so the, the first wide open space I could think of to kind of hunker down was my sister's place in Seattle. And, mm-hmm. and then simultaneously had, um, girlfriend, uh, got a job up here and we were dating long distance. So it was like, let's pull the trigger and go up there. Wow. And yeah, I've been here for, I guess like two years now. Dang, yeah. I had, I didn't have no idea. You're, you're you're still fresh then, super. Fresh. I I am, and even wow. then I was like in the burbs at my sister's house, and uh, so I'm all, I'm like just coming up on a full year in August, like wow. uh, yeah, uh, it being in Seattle proper. So that's pretty crazy then, because you you already were performing at Capitol Hill Block Party. That's 
That's awesome. I, you know, knock on wood. And I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, it's awesome. Um, I had a mutual friend from Texas introduce me to an artist up here named Sea Lemon. Yeah. Who's also playing, Natalie. And um, so she connected me um, with like some people she knew as well. And I liked her, I like her songs. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's just been, I played my first show with Sea Lemon actually at Cafe Racer. Yeah. Um, last year so. that's awesome that's i just met that's so crazy how everything's connected i just met c lemon um during south by this year really um i was working with uh, do you know what dick's driving is yet oh Hopefully yeah you do. okay oh yeah <laughs> so i do yes. some work with dicks and um we put on like a live stage performance for south by artists okay. um, this year awesome um at this place called rich's art gallery which is like a this i think this was their first year being an official south okay. by affiliate venue or yeah so um, very familiar with south by was it a day show or was it like a so what we did is we would record what was it three to four bands a day like with 4k cameras and it was like five to six cameras set up and we built this whole stage for them and then we've been still putting out because we had like 12 bands or something so like we've still been putting out um some of those episodes very cool yeah i'll check them out yeah i think sea lemons is coming out not this week, maybe next week. Awesome. Yeah. So sweet. That's that's crazy because I met them in Texas and you're from Texas. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's I, a it is small world. It's it's wild. It's it really is. Um, yeah. And she's actually gonna be performing like right before me. That's awesome. Um, I'm trying to get her. We've we've talked about her coming on if there's time because it's so bumper to bumper, but. Her coming on and singing one of a song with me uh, during my set. That's so, so cool. Fingers crossed it works out. But. So as so you are like a solo project now, or how does so that... the way it works is essentially like I write all the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I it's uh, it's so that's all kind of me. I just bunker bunker myself away and mm-hmm. kind of will come out with songs, just me and a guitar or on my phone or whatever, and then I transfer all those into demos um, with my little home studio. And then out of like a batch of like usually anywhere between 20 to 30 songs, um, I'll send those to my producer, Devin. He's kind of like a silent member. Okay. Um, so he he has kind of like helped me. And inf- it's hard to just be with yourself and not have that objective point of view. I yeah. do miss that about being in a band. Um, so he kind of helps like with the, the yin and the yang when I get too like over analytical or yeah. I'm ruminating on something. And um, so he, I would say he's kind of a silent member now in a way. Um, but I write all the songs and then we kind of help, pre- he helps produce it from there. Um, and then, uh, when I play live, um, I always have a band. Got it. So I don't okay. want to be like, um, you know, I, I, it's important to me not to be like, just like singer songwriter guy on mm-hmm. stage. I want to have like drums. I want to have, I want it to feel like a rock band basically. So I always what, have a band. I yeah. feel like that's what a lot of like bands kind of do they have like someone that they gig with but then yeah Yeah. that makes sense okay yeah and the idea is that um you know also with the economics of touring like i've been doing this a while and like it's it's a lot different now than it was when i first started right and so it's just a lot um it's a lot easier to kind of just um you know hit up friends in different places like Mm -hmm. oh maybe i want to play a show in austin or maybe i want to play a show in new york or whatever and you can just tap into like friends that you have who play drums or whatever and just be like here's my songs let's do like one rehearsal and then make it happen yeah (laughs) yeah for sure it just it's fun to do that and play with different people so so as like a band i feel like there's like 
you're collaborating with the band members versus you don't see that often that bands are collaborating with other bands. Maybe like you'll switch out a member here or there, yeah. you know, but like as this like solo project now, are you more like in a collaboration phase at all or how is that looking? Um, I, I feel like the first record, which is like eight songs, is is me trying to figure out how to write a song just start to finish me mm-hmm. again versus just kind of like sketches and bring them to a band and then kind of stream of consciousness jamming and and then they become songs and so that was kind of that and then now the second record i feel like is an affirmation of that it's mm-hmm. more of like okay now i know how to do this like I, i'm recreating it again um and it it feels a lot more comfortable and familiar and i feel like i have more of a grasp on what the project is and what it's doing yeah I feel like as I kind of start stepping into writing the third record, uh, I think I'll be more in a, a mindset of like, I'm always thinking like, oh, this this person I know or this person I've seen pop yeah. up on my TikTok feed or whatever it would yeah. be awesome at like this kind of a, a style or song or whatever. Um, so that is always in the back of my mind. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've had like when I lived in LA, it's like, you know, you basically are in the radius of just like a million people who are all just so good at what they do. So, <laughs> yeah. so at any given moment, you know, you could just be hanging out at somebody's house and it's like, oh, well, let's go, you know, work on it or listen to my song. I'll listen to your song. And like, that's kind of how um, I'm friends with this artist, Caroline Loveglow. Hmm. And so it's a cool ass name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the song that I actually was talking about, Sea Lemon, maybe helping me sing, um, was uh, this song called Clinging to a Dream. Um, you don't want to leave a mouthful. And uh, <laughs> and Caroline, she was just part of our friend group. And Devin was like, hey, you should come over and sing on this part. And yeah. and it sound, and it, 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 we ended up collaborating. And so she's featured on that song. And um, we did a video, music video together, too. So that that does happen. Mm-hmm. And that's stuff that's always in the back of my mind. For that's sure. cool. So yeah. that's interesting coming from like Seattle is definitely like an artistic city it's kind of getting encroached in by tech obviously but like um coming from like a texas or an la and just being able to like walk outside and connect with artists kind of potentially with the potential yeah here in seattle it's kind of more clicky how has that been for you well i don't even know if it i I guess i haven't been here long enough to Mm. witness a clickiness if there is one um and i guess that could be anywhere right um and i think maybe it's not even so much about clicky as it is like finding like the, your tribe or your, mm. your niche or whatever of, of, of um, people that resonate with you or inspire you. Yeah. And um, I think right out of the gate, like I said, I was fortunate where my friend Mike, he plays in a band, another mouthful band name called uh, letting up despite great faults. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> That's a mouthful. They've been around <laughs> for a long time and they're like a dream pop um, kind of, shoegazy influenced um uh, band that i like a lot and they he introduced me to, to natalie from sea lemon and so there was that but mm-hmm. um you know i like to just kind of follow the rabbit hole like the the way i met Devin, my producer when i was in la was just oh i will play a house show do i know anybody in la and yeah. then so i, I kind of do that and i follow the rabbit hole and i think now that i've been here you know i met sea lemon and then i met this other artist dark soft who i think moved to maine recently but he still comes back and through him, I met this artist called Sea Salt, and like 
Um, so you just follow that trail mm -hmm. and then people have been like very, very cool. Um, and you just, you go out and you support shows. That's the best, best way to do it. You yeah. know, it's like when you see that somebody that you just met is playing on like a Tuesday, you know, at like Sunset Tavern or whatever. Yeah, there we you go. Know, you know you in just, the venues now. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Sunset Tavern, you know, what it, like That's Chop sick. Suey, you know. Yes. Uh, so you, you just kind of go and, and you, um, you hope that you meet people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you just try not to be a jerk or anything. Yeah, that's fair. So like as a as a Texan, is it like a, a Texan artist? Is it kind of a given that you're gonna like try to go be part of South by? Because you've done it for like you've done a lot of South by oh, shows, right? I've clocked in some South by time. Yeah, yeah. I think I did I think I did like fifteen years in a row of South <laughs> by South. By. Yeah, I'm I'm getting I'm getting up there. I'm getting older, but I I will say like um that seeing the evolution of South by has been very interesting. Mm. Like I went from like, I, I want to say like in my earliest memories were like, Oh, six Oh seven of South by. And I remember every indie band was just like trying to Jan sport had this collaboration and it was oh, like nice. this race, like a game show where every band would be like, I've got to get that Jan sport <laughs> backpack that has the South by Southwest patch on it. And, um, and everybody, could really truly I mean actually I can't believe I didn't even think about this right from the get-go but my old band Pompeii we signed a record deal playing South by Southwest at like 11 a.m. Wow. at like you know just some sidebar where people were like barely waking up from their hangovers or whatever and <laughs> and that was back when I felt like anything was possible like that and it yeah. happened like um and we signed a record deal and they, and they put out like a few they bought us a van they put out a few records and it was really cool um and I feel like at, over time it was like now Lady Gaga is playing the Doritos stage, like mm -hmm. you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> in yeah. a parking lot, sure. which is still cool. I love I love some Lady Gaga, Gaga, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, you know, it's like come play the the subway stage or you know, it just kind of like now I say that you know, um, but I still think it's cool. I still think it's cool that like. I, just the experience and especially mm -hmm. that it, it used to be in my own backyard. So I do miss it. And I do like, feel like at the root of it all, like I don't want to be jaded and I want to still be like this, this can be a cool experience, mm -hmm. you know, and it is what you make out of it. And so I do, th I do think, um, you know, uh, I think like the applications open up soon. So I've definitely probably, I'm going to like, apply now that I have a, re a couple of records nice. on the way so so do you miss the fact that it was more like I don't know if underground is the right word but like more like grassroots versus like the corporate sponsors or what do you miss about it more yeah I mean I, it was true discovery not like product placement discovery Got type it. of force discovery you know um and and a truer sense of like community versus like not to get all like political, but like this like capitalist machine of like, <laughs> I mean, it brings so much money into Austin, yeah. you know? Um, but I also like, I don't want to be cynical either, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and again, it's like, I still think it's possible to have like a really cool time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I definitely would want to go back at some point, um, either to play. I think the day shows are like super fun too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I was going to tell a story, but I totally, totally forgot. But, oh, yeah, it was just like back in the day, I remember it would just be like, I, I think I would have to like go on a diet and exercise like extensively before I do it again now, because I just remember like there were times when I would be playing like 
like something crazy, like like seven shows in like three days or, or two days or something. And then like one day you're just you're just going and going and it's like another Red Bull and another Red Bull and and then you're like so delirious and um yeah, you're like I'm sick of Red Bull. Dang. <laughs> so when you were growing up was like music it felt like a possibility when you're growing up or was that like something you discovered later on in like your youth versus like being able to feel like you could do that when you were born basically. Yeah. Um, music. Uh, so when, when I grew up, I grew up in a town called Corpus Christi, Texas, mm. which is known for like Selena, the Tejano pop star, RIP. Oh yes. She has yeah. a documentary. Yes. Selena Quintanilla Perez. Yeah. She, uh, I, went, I graduated from the Selena auditorium. Wait, who killed her again? This Yolanda is Saldivar, oh, her God. business manager. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Crazy. And so, um, so yeah, Selena, that was kind of the big thing in Corpus and Whataburger, uh, which was a rival to Dick's, I <laughs> yes. would say. Um, and so I grew up there and it was very much um, like all you had at your disposal was like the mall, you know, mm. to get music. And um, so music felt kind of like a like a pipe dream, you know, like a fictional place, kind of like how I viewed Seattle or how I would view like LA or New York mm. because I was in this kind of like medium small town. Um, and I had the mall at my disposal and my, my uncle gave me like when I was like seven, like an REM CD, which I, which I find to be funny. Cause you're, you know, you're like seven and it's like, let me like listen to losing my religion at like seven years old or something. Um, but simultaneously I'd asked my mom for a guitar Yeah. And I went to guitar lessons when I was like seven. Wow! But I, I, I guess I asked for that. She says I did, and so <laughs> there's a picture of me at six years old holding a, a guitar with a little bow on it. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I I think in terms of it being accessible and me th- back to your original question. Sorry, I'm like very ADD and going hey, tangents. No worries. But the, I would say that it became accessible to me just in my own community because we would have like. I remember being in like when I was 10, my friend Patrick, he um, he had an electric guitar and we would skateboard and he'd play guitar like songs on the radio and stuff. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, whoa, I thought that was really cool. <laughs> he could play like songs I actually heard. Yeah. And then in middle school when I was like 11 or 12 is when I discovered like shows and these like DIY spaces. And so there was like a skate park that would have show punk nice. shows. And that's when it became like, oh, and I can play at my middle school dance and like um because it was it was a local accessible thing yeah um and then you know as i got older and you know maybe around like 17 it was like oh people go on tours and like and texas is so big it's like you could literally tour texas that's so cool i still discover new cities i've never heard of in texas and i grew (laughs) up there yeah that's amazing so so that's you know it just kind of expanded from there that's so your band Pompeii were you in any bands before that? And I, from my understanding, you came into Pompeii when you were in like either late high school or early college. Yeah. So, did were you in any bands before that or no? Oh yeah, tons okay. of very, very bad bands. Got it. <laughs> no, just, I mean, you know, like high school, middle school bands, but like a middle school, you were in a middle school. Band? Oh yeah, played, uh. played the middle school dance. Um, I convinced. A couple of the teachers, like half of the middle school dance was like the local DJ from like Hot Z95, and they'd play like <laughs> they'd play like Boys to Men and stuff, you know. And yeah. then, then which I I love Boys to Men. <laughs> um, and then after that, like halfway, they would cut, and then we would play, uh, you know, our like rock songs and like a couple of original songs I wrote. Um, 
and I think they sounded like it was like Blink One Eighty Two or like okay, yeah, Silver yeah. Chair or something. And like, did the kids like it though? Or? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think yeah. it was divisive, but it get, but it was, I just it was uh, it was intoxicating, you know, to like be like eleven or twelve years old, and it's like all your <laughs> friends are like packed out in the cafeteria, wow. and um, I uh, yeah, so it was awesome. But before that, before Pompeii, it was um. I, I would I wanted to be in my friend's band. They were called the Disruptives. Like mm. <laughs> it's like, you know, punk band. And I was like, I would always just show up at their rehearsals, you know, whether they wanted me to or not. Yeah. <laughs> I would just start singing their songs and um but you know, I, I had my own songs too. I had a band called the McFlies because I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. You Amazing. can pick up the DeLorean tattooed on Hell the back yeah. of my arm. And um Wait, so have I, you ever been in a DeLorean yet? Yes. Okay, awesome. I have. There we yes. Go. Um huge nerd for Back to the Future. And uh so um I was in a band called the McFlies and I was it was kinda like the Ramones, but mm. like the McFlies, and I was Dino McFly, like a Ramones ripoff band. <laughs> and uh <laughs> and then um, you know, I discovered like Jimmy Eat World's Clarity album and I decided like, oh, like I wanna write like orchestral, like cinematic music with like string sections and um kind of emo ish, like Sunny D real estate. And that's when I started writing like my own own songs mm. and different tunings. And I grew up with my drummer, Rob, Rob Davidson, and um, he was the drummer of Pompeii. So okay. we grew up together. So he was in a lot of those earlier bands. And then it wasn't until we got to college that we um, started Pompeii. So. Nice. And then when did you start like singing? Like, cause you said you started with a guitar. How did you decide you can uh, singing. sing? Uh, singing was... You know, I, I want to say like um, one Christmas I had one of those like fake microphones and annoyed everybody in my family because <laughs> you're just like, well, it's like got this echo on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was probably less of like singing and more just like I want attention because mm-hmm. I'm a tiny, tiny little little <laughs> kid and I'm still a tiny little kid. Um, but uh, I I was always in like plays also. I was in a couple of like. Oh God, so cringe! But like a couple like musicals, you know. Hey, there we go. Hey, there we go. <laughs> and uh, so it would always be like me, 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 you know, like that kind of thing. But, yeah. um, but I was never just like jazz hands. Like I was never into that whole sceneness. I I liked film more than I liked th- film acting more than like theater acting. Mm. I still like going to the theater. I think it, it can be fun, you know. Um, and uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was always kind of like. I think that's just one of those things like the guitar where it's like, it just kind of was there always. Yeah. And whether I was good or bad at it, at it, it just kind of was something that I mm. enjoyed doing, you know? That's I, super cool though. Yeah. It's, it's, and now it's just like, uh, it's, it's so second nature because I've been doing it so long that, um, uh, you know, it's more of like, just like a feeling of catharsis or something, mm-hmm. you know, it's like going for a run or something. It's like, there's something like, um, uh, that's just always stuck with me my whole life, whether it's singing, singing and playing guitar. Yeah. And would, would you say like, was Pompeii like the next evolution for you? Do you think that was going to be the band that was going to give, give you any success or were there any previous bands where like, I thought this was going to be the one that <laughs> got me to where I was going to be. I think that, um, I think that, when I was younger, it, and even even I think it doesn't really go away, but there was this feeling of like, 
oh wow that sounded like a real band like this yeah. this this song we did that almost sounded like a real it was always like yeah. i was a fake band and one day i'll be like a real band yes. kind of feeling um <laughs> And it's like one day this magical dust will sprinkle on me and I'll be a real <laughs> band. Um, and you also realize when you're younger, like, and especially the way that the music industry used to be, it felt like this kind of fairy tale, especially growing up in a smaller town, like, oh, one day, like, I'll be discovered. And like, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, there's like, like, I used to watch that show Saved by the Bell. And there's this whole episode, this whole episode where like, the band in the show Saved by the Bell gets like discovered and like, <laughs> and it's just the most cliche cheesy. Like I was jogging by your practice space and I heard you performing and I want to sign you to my record deal. And they yes. become like, and that's such a like, wait, do you know who the Mowgli's are by any chance? Yeah. I so am familiar with the Mowgli's. I had yeah. the lead singer. Um, I think it's Colin Deedon or Dyden. Um, and he has his own um, solo project called little hurt now. Really? But I think it was the same magical thing. I think he like had like one, um, like um, talent show performance. And it's like he got signed from that. With really? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, it, it can like that, happen. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but like, but that seems like an old like that seems like a thing that used yeah, to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. But I also, as I've gotten older, my perspective shifts in that, um, in that. Well, one, it's like this whole existential thing where you're like, also like, well, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And, and if nobody was listening, would I still do this? And yeah. like, and I think that um, uh, there's a lot to unpack in those those types of questions. And it's also like, what do you what do you hope? What are you shooting for? And I think all the bands I was inspired by when I mm-hmm. really came of age were bands that were career bands who maybe weren't necessarily like huge but they had cult followings yeah. and like the people that got it really got it and really liked them and were rabid fans and it wasn't so much like you know the the just oh we're going so big and then we're gonna drop yeah. off the cliff you know kind of thing love me a good one hit wonder though but uh <laughs> what's your favorite one hit wonder oh man that's that's a tough one that is a tough one <laughs> yeah that actually is that is a tough one man <laughs> the first i mean like the first thing that pops in my head, and I, I feel bad because I would never want like the band to hear me say this, but like, you know, "Teenage Dirtbag" by Weedus, uh, like, it's a classic fair. song, you that's know. Fair. But but there's so many good one-hit wonders out there. Um, I'll get point. back. I'll give you yeah. a list. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but yeah, it, but I thought I think that over time it was like, um, this narrative of like trying to make it once Pompey got signed, mm. of like, oh, because we were on the same record label as like. My Chemical Romance mm. and like you know these bands that were like getting big and it was part of this whole like emo sweep of of things and um, were you emo though did you have like any crazy long black hair at any point or anything I like that? did dye my hair black now I'm bald but I <laughs> <laughs> I did I think that's why I'm bald I dyed my hair black too many times um yeah I definitely was like I wasn't like I would say that's like that was a little um after like my version of emo was okay. like was like oh, i'm listening to like saves the day and like the get up kids and like jimmy old jimmy world and like sunny day real estate and um and then like bands like my chemical romance and swept over the malls across america and i was like that's not real emo uh-huh. but like me and my girlfriend getting like you know debates about that but that's just me being an old crotchety <laughs> guy but um but yeah I, I, I now i'm at a point where it's just like I just love doing this yeah. and um and it comes from a, a genuine place of like it's just something I do and something I love and whether or not 10 people or 10,000 people want to listen then like yeah. 
you know, whatever, I'm still just going to do it. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then you ended up moving to LA. When did, when was the LA thing? Was that when you were still with Pompeii at that time or? No. Um, you know, it's funny. There was no real, like, this is the end of Pompeii kind of Got thing. It. it was like, I wasn't even, we were, what did, what happened? We'd played South by Southwest. We, um, we were on a, another label and where we, and we did our third album loom and um we were playing south by southwest to support that had some amazing shows there played this one under the radar showcase mm. that was like of montreal this band called mew that i really like and um torres like a bunch of cool bands and it was this like poetry because that was i think one of our, our last if not the last show that we played together mm. and that was at the same exact venue that we signed our record deal uh, during South by Southwest years earlier, you know, Um, like a decade earlier. And so it was this kind of like full circle thing. And we actually went in the studio and did two more songs after that, which we never released. Hmm. Um, We still have them, um, but uh, we kind of just like uh, imploded on each other. We're all Hmm. still great friends. We just hung out like three weeks ago in Austin, but um, it was just like, it's crazy being in a band from the time with people from the time you're like, you know, graduating high school and and entering college yeah. to the time you're like in your early thirties. Yeah. It's just like your tastes, your like perspectives all shift and it's, and it's hard to kind of like becomes like a marriage. You know, I hadn't yeah. been committed to anything that long. And, yeah. um, the there was just this kind of unspoken tension where it was like we all got along great but the second we put on our instruments you know we would bicker about just Mm. like dumb stuff you know and i think that i had been for a a long time like living as if i was on tour Uh (laughs) like on like floors and couches and just like um i lived better on tour you know than i did uh at home and I think I was like, like a veteran at that point. <laughs> yeah. And I think in a way I was also like running from like growing up and it becomes weird. There's, there's also this like thing that happens just in life where mm. when you're an artist and other people that you grow up with, like aren't artists and yeah. you see them all like getting married and having kids and, and houses and, and then you're kind of feel like, Oh, like, well, I'm like, you know, I feel stagnant or whatever. It just creates this weird existential crisis. And I was like, I'm either going to stay. I felt like I won the game of Austin. I'd been there forever. But at the same time, it was so different. Like everything had changed in the town, all these condos and places that you love closing down. Same old story. That's everywhere else. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, you know, I just want to, I just want to know what it's like to live somewhere else for a while. And so simultaneously, Devin was just like, dude, just come to LA. And, and he made it sound so simple. And I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. (laughs) At like 33 years old, I'm going to do this. And I did it and uh, moved in with like really cool people. I like base who were a lot younger than me. And I relived my early 20s all over again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was fun. It was really fun. And I made some really good friendships, really good music yeah. friendships as well. And uh, um, so that I, I have zero regrets about doing that, oh, you know. Yeah. And I was always afraid had I stayed where, where I was and what I was doing yeah. that, um, that, you know, 
I would have regrets, you know, of what ifs and that kind of thing. And yeah. so, and now I'm here. It's, I just feel like it was the right, right decision. It's a journey, man. That's wild. So you genuinely like stayed in Texas during that whole era? Yes. That's wild. Yes. I mean, of course I traveled all yeah, the time. Yeah, I, I think at sure. one point I was trying to move to New York City yeah. uh, or Brooklyn. Um, I was dating uh, Pompey's publicist at the time, <laughs> and uh, and we Whoa, went. How we does that, wait, wait, how does that happen? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I will protect the innocent. No, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I had it in my head that I was like, I'm gonna go to Brooklyn, and a lot yeah. of my friends from Austin had moved to Brooklyn. A lot of my close friends, and so I knew more people there yeah. too. It was like a lot of my best friends weren't even in Austin anymore; they were in Brooklyn, and yeah. um, so I wanted to go there, and I almost got a job at a record label there. Um, I was on like my third interview and didn't pan out, but, um, I never saw myself moving to mm. LA. It, w- it wasn't in my mind, but, um, it, it all worked out for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Zero regrets. That's wild. Yeah. So, but you, did you move to LA to continue some type of musical journey or yeah, do you thought absolutely. it was like hundred percent? I was like, again, it comes back to like, um, I could be. You know, when I look at like the biggest bands in Austin, mm-hmm. like Explosions in the Sky, who I love, um, uh, Spoon, you know, love Spoon, um, and you'll notice by the Trail of Dead, like a lot of great bands out of Austin, um, letting up despite great faults. Uh, and but I just I felt like again I wanted um, to experiment with a larger stage. Mm-hmm. I wanted to experiment with. Um, more polished production and things like that. So I just felt like I wanted, I wanted to try something different. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what it comes down to. And I, and I think because of, um, the way that LA is also in the way of like cinema, um, you know, I've always thought my music, this is kind of a, a trope now, but like cinematic, songs or whatever you know things that i always liked like that could be on montages and movies you know well, i like that still fuck yeah yeah that lends itself to la right and um so uh it was just kind of serendipity meeting Devin and, and my friend lane who i who is the person i moved in with lane very talented artist and she has her own stuff it's just l-a-y-n-e and she's playing guitar with um pop artist melanie martinez oh wow right now yeah Dang. so lane and lane played the last show i played in la at the lodge room like a few months ago she played guitar with me so like love so cool. love her um just again absolutely zero hate missed the homeland I, I just stayed in austin for nine days and i ate nothing but no vegetables for nine days just nothing but breakfast tacos and you know <laughs> barbecue yes. And, yes. and uh and i went to all the old haunts so I, I definitely um, will always love Austin, but yeah. I just needed to try something different because it was either just keep doing the same day every day or, or grow, you know? Yeah. What, so what type of, were you in a different project in LA? It was not, was it early internet in LA or was it like an, another project besides that? No, it was early internet. I, I came, uh, I, I came to LA and finished, um, or I shot the first music video for early internet. Was it blankets? Um, and it's all over LA. Mm. Uh, we shot in the Santa Monica beach. We shot like in the Angeles national forest. Um, we shot on the steps in silver Lake. Um, and, uh, with my, my buddy George, who is an Austin based director, nice. <laughs> ironically, but, um, 
yeah, uh, shot the first music video right when I moved there, um, and and uh, played a lot of my first shows as early internet in LA. Um, so that was definitely like where I kind of like cut my teeth as early internet. Nice. Yeah. And where'd the name come from? Just like a nostalgia for early oh, internet. Man. I didn't, I wasn't expecting to bring up, uh, um, exes twice in this, <laughs> in this, but, uh, the same, the same publicist of Pompeii. Um, we were, well, actually it wasn't, I'm not going to say it was her. It was, I had a list of names yeah. and I want to say one night I was listening to the radio or something and I just heard somebody talking and they're blah, 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 on the early internet. And it was one of those things where it's just like, I just wrote it, added wow. it. To the, I was like, early internet, that's cool. Um, and then I was running this list of names and she was like, uh, yeah, I like early internet. And, you know, living in modern times, the one of the, the, um, you know, biggest pains is going, running a Google search. Yeah. And it's like, does this name already exist? And you're just like, please, please no, please no. And the second, I'm not kidding you. The second I saw that, like, it, it like was open on like all the socials and like everything. I was like, I was like, I went on this, like, <laughs> just like, just, I was in a coffee shop and I was just like, just nonstop, like securing every handle I could. And I was like, that's it. That's the name. Cause I don't want to deal with like, you know, getting my hopes up only to discover it already exists or this band in like 1992 yeah. had this name. And yeah, that's so amazing. that was honestly half of it was just like the fact that it was free. Was like, <laughs> me, yeah, that's great. What is what does it mean? Like, have you given like a, a meaning to the name now? You know, yeah, I think this happens a lot with me. I've noticed in in hindsight when I like and this happens a lot when I name an album even hmm. um a lot of it I feel like comes from my subconscious and then in after the fact it kind of takes on a meaning and I start thinking like oh yeah you know what this is kind of like this kind of connects the dots here or there yeah. and I think with the name early internet you know it could speak to like you know just the generation that I'm a part of which you know going back to like just just the culture of like where we're at now and like how I absorbed music like in the beginning stages on my parents like you know um Dell like desktop that was this big you know like in the living room um I'm getting on the computer you know <laughs> uh and and like sorry the phone's gonna have a busy signal like because I'm getting on the computer to aim and all that and I had a live journal I, w- I think I was a part of like I had Napster that's where I heard like my first like I downloaded like the song 405 by Death Cab and like um it, so I like coming of the age in that time and uh um, discovering bands in that way, like long before even MySpace, there was like, it was like I was on Live Journal and what was the other? And it was like uh, makeoutclub.com, which is like <laughs> sounds so bad, but it was like there's just this like emo little site with like everybody gets their own little square and like can post a picture and like bands you like and stuff. And I would just see like people would say bands and I'd be like, oh, Pedro the Lion, I'm gonna go yeah. like look that up, you know? Um, and so, yeah, back to the the meaning, it's just kind of, I, I don't know. I guess, one, it came subconsciously. Two, 
it was available. And yeah. three, um, I think it speaks to uh, being a millennial, you know, yeah. um, an elder millennial, especially <laughs> such as myself. <laughs> elder millennial. Yeah. Amazing. That's, it's interesting though, because like, it seems even from checking out your interviews, it seems like there was almost like a more straight way, straightforward way of finding new music. Yeah. And like, I think people would like to say there's like a straightforward way of finding music now, but there's like, there's just too much of it out there that like sometimes you put too much emphasis on like checking out playlists or just yeah. whatever the radio, like the Spotify radios give you. Right. But like I've been having an issue lately where like all my, I started out, I'm, I started the podcast as a hip hop podcast and yeah. then it bled into like being a comedy podcast and band podcast yeah. and actors can come on, whoever, right? Yeah. But like um all like for whatever reason, like a lot of like hip hop blogs and like um mixtape websites are all getting like um sued and taken down. Really? I think for like all monetary reasons. Like um yeah. one of my favorite platforms, Spinrilla is being sued for like copyright infringement and all really? this stuff, which I feel like if it's it's mixtape, so they're supposed to be like a yeah, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. But like now, like all the blogs that I used to go on, even and this has happened like in the net past like month or two, like all the blogs would like show every whether you like the artist or not would show all the list of every big artist or mid tier artist or even lower level artist, um, with their albums coming out. And now that's all gone. So now I'm like trying to like follow like Spotify and like YouTube music yeah. and all that. And it's like all my favorite artists, they're not showing up on these like algorithms for whatever reason. So I have to like follow a specific artist that I yeah. like for them to post it or like, and you still don't know, even with like local music, you don't really know unless you're following them if a local artist is dropping new music or a niche artist. So well, like, for me, it's KEXP all day. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I That's like, I am such a fanboy for KXP, mm. and that's all, of course, human curated, you know. But that's a I, good point. Maybe I should. I guess I've never really taken time. I've I, I've had tons of KXP hosts on. Yeah, but I've never taken time to look at their curation to see if there's any good. And there's hip hop shows on KXP yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Larry Mizell Jr. has one. But Ooh, um, that would be a good guest to have on. But I I hear you though. Yeah, it's like, you know, um, there's the almighty algorithm, and mm. then there's the fun and the joy of like the actual discovery. Yeah. Um, man, I'm like, and it, you, you mentioned hip hop and I remember I was like back in Austin. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could remember the station. I was crushed because there was this one hip hop station that would do nineties at noon. Mm. And it was just like the be- best nineties. Yeah. <laughs> and I was crushed when it went away, but that was how I discovered so many songs. Yeah. And it was just like the classic terrestrial radio, mm-hmm. you know, which seems so archaic now. Yeah. But um, then of course with indie rock, it was like in the 2010s, it was like all the like blog, you know, blogs were huge, you know, I mean, blogs are still there of course, but that was like so much bigger. I feel like back in 2010 and now, I would say, yeah, the playlists on on like Spotify and all those are like, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, like I do discover bands that way, you yeah. Know? But um, I also feel like word of mouth goes a long way, mm. and I also feel like just looking at like public like publications like The Stranger or whatever, or or just flyers around town. Oh, there's a show at, th- at this venue, and like, yeah. Oh, they literally like just look cool, so I want to like stop by <laughs> and see them, you know? Yeah, maybe I think I'm fighting the algorithm too much, but if I am gonna fight it, 
maybe I should be looking more outside with the, I guess I don't even really look at posters outside too much to see about the shows or whatever. I guess it depends on the telephone pole because yeah. some of them are just like so plastered <laughs> that you, yeah. it's all a collage of just like blurs, but yeah. yeah. I just never want to get to a point where music is like, I guess it's all, it's kind of been that no matter what, but I don't want it to be like a point where you're only checking out music that's very opinionated by someone that you yeah. don't know who is, who right. that is, is sending you music to check out, you know? Right. Like, I don't want there to be a loss of discovery or you feel like you're discovering stuff when you actually aren't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So much of it is, like, is it's hard to find, like, yeah, I love that feeling and it's hard to find the, when you when you finally do find something that you're like, oh, this is, this yeah. is it, you know? Like, and you just keep it on repeat for so long, like. That's such a good feeling, but it's so few and far between. You yeah, know? I've been yeah. noticing that a lot lately too. Damn. So a uh, question I have, so as early internet, do people call you early internet or do they call you Dean? <laughs> or like, how do you go about that when? No, that's, yeah, that's, it's a good question. Um, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun if people call me early internet because it, yeah. it almost feels like I'm like a cool DJ or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I don't care. It could be interchangeable. Um, like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind when people are like early internet because then it's like, oh, that's cool. They know my music, you yeah. know. Um, uh, versus like if they were to be like, oh, Dean, and then I'm like, <laughs> if they only knew me from early internet and I didn't know them, yeah, then the whole time I would be like, do I know this person? I don't know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, I don't care. I could be interchangeable. So that makes sense. Yeah, I feel that. Like I guess I go by Nas. I feel I'm, I'm still trying to earn people to call me Nas. I don't feel like people call me yeah. Nas yet. They just call me Blake. Uh, when I first started my podcast, before I even DJed, I went by DJ Blake. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, but some people call me DJ Blake. But I'm like, no, that's when I first started. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like winning over. I feel like that's another like a milestone stoner win is when you win people over enough to actually call you by your stage name sometimes. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, <laughs> I think, um, I think you're right. I think that's what it is. There's this kind of like cool little, like, Oh, like, like now I'm like, like, this is my, like, what is it? My alter ego yeah. or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. um, so I, I totally get that. Yeah. So you're about to release a new, you supposedly you're about to release a new project soon. Like what's the, what's yes. the story behind that? Yeah. Story behind that is, um, I, I literally just got the masters this week, like, a, like yeah. a day ago, like the final masters. So now it's like very exciting because it's all, it's all about getting it out now. So um, I started work on that. Um, I want to say like right at the start of like 2022, mm. writing it, and then um, like. Or, or, I'm I'm seriously getting my years mixed up. I'm like <laughs> it's either 2022 or 2023 that I did, that I started it, but um, essentially it was 2022. I'm pretty sure. And then from like Memorial Day weekend of last year to this year, mm-hmm. like nice little end caps. Like during that chunk of time was actually when it was being like recorded. Mm. So I made a few trips to LA to meet up with Devin Corey. Round two, let's do it again. This time, instead of Austin, we're recording it in his bedroom in Los Angeles. And I am pretty sure I gave him COVID when I went down there on his 30th birthday. 
And I felt so bad he had to cancel his 30th birthday party. <laughs> and then I, like, the same trip, like, broke his, like, shower and the water just wouldn't stop <laughs> rushing. And we, we, it was, like, a heck? Sunday, so we couldn't get a plumber. So we just, like, closed the door and kept tracking guitar. <laughs> and uh, it was, like, this is this album's cursed. This is off to a terrible start. <laughs> and so I went down, I don't know, maybe, like, three different, three or four different times. Four different, like, three or four different sessions. And, uh... And yeah, did did the album and uh, over the course of that time and then just got the masters. And so I got the album art now. Oh, and yeah. so it's um, I don't want to give anything away, yeah, but nice. there may or may not be a new song surrounding uh, my Capitol Hill block party performance. Fuck yeah, that's uh, awesome. July 21st. So it seems like you go back to like Texas and L.A. a decent amount. That's kind of interesting because I feel like sometimes when people like close like a chapter in their life or whatever they yeah. feel like they want to stay away so what is your process about like going back to those places um what do you mean like my process like like your back? mind your thought process is it like um oh it's, well it's, the chat the door the chapter is closed but like you just still feel like um yeah i mean i um it, you know this is something i grapple with as like at a more macro level as like as an artist this idea of like we always want to know like where is this artist from where are they mm. based of i think that's maybe like the second question like what's the artist's name and like where are they from yeah. you know and um so it is this kind of weird thing now because so much of my identity as a person is wrapped up in texas because i spent so much of my life there you know mm-hmm. um so i feel like a lot of my um discovery of early internet and what it was going to be was rooted in my producers rooted in Los Angeles, but, and now kind of branching out into Seattle now. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think my, I feel like I, I get something, I get something from all those places. Um, and even like, you know, I was spending so much time in Brooklyn back in the day too. I like this idea. Now the, the world is small now, you know, because of the internet. Right. And, um, and, all of our friends are spread out. All these artist projects are spread out. And I like this idea of like, oh, I can go to this place and I know exactly where to go to get like really good tacos, yeah. you know, or like um, just having that day in the life kind of experience. And I will say it's like nothing gold can stay. So you go back to these places kind mm. of with a nostalgic frame of mind. I want to go back and I want to relive what I was living at this point in time in these like glory days, you know, and, and you realize like, things have changed the building is gone the you know a lot of your friends are gone or like moved on or whatever and um so it's not entirely the same but there's still little pockets and so i think it's still fun to go in and and connect with old haunts and um old friends just like anything else in life and yeah um uh because there's you know there's pros and cons to, to each place you go so um i think that's my mindset and uh and it's funny because when you live in a city, you're you're never like, oh, let me go do the most tourist thing imaginable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But somehow you could live somewhere for years. You know, like I lived in Austin for 15 years. Um, I go back and it's like, oh, let's go to Barton Springs and go swimming. Like, let's, you know, and it's like suddenly you want to do all the tourist stuff. Yeah. And then you drag your friends along and they're <laughs> like, why are we, where are we going here? Like, no, they, they enjoy Barton Springs just as much as anybody. But, um you get nostalgic for those things. Yeah. And I think early internet as a project is a very nostalgic feeling type of project. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, so that's where it comes from, I think. Yeah, um, I like that. I like that. And I, I'm excited to see your growth in Seattle and see you definitely with people. And, and I, I, I should I should say I have been talking a lot about Texas and a lot about L.A. I That is in no way... Uh, I, I want to shine a light on Seattle because I love Seattle and this is my new home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just older and I have all these experiences <laughs> in these yeah, other places, right? For um, sure. I'm learning Seattle and it's exciting. It's like exciting to discover a new place, you know? 100%. And I definitely clocked in tons of time doing t- touristy stuff. Love the Mopop. Yes. My, back when I was visiting my sister before I lived here, she would drop me off at the Mopop. I'd get a couple drinks at that bar mm. and I would, and I'm not kidding you i would like tear up looking at like nirvana and i would just like have this like disposition <laughs> like Bain, yeah no. i would just be like this like pensive like like looking at everything in reverence you know and just so excited um so i love uh i love kexp i love death cab for cutie you know it's, i love sub pop i love Barsuk. it's like yeah. capital block party it's like so much cool stuff here that i feel so grateful to be here you know hell yeah and you're, you're doing it man yeah and i hope to um have people check this out and learn more about you and yeah as well as introduce you to some people so awesome yeah, man with that um what is some final advice you have for up-and-coming artists creators influencers oh advice wow um yeah i would say you know just I feel like so much pressure. <laughs> no, I, I I would say just have fun and um, find find what's true to you, and um, you know, don't get. Uh, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Don't get too caught up in um, like this idea of one day I will arrive at this place. And mm-hmm. I and I think I was going to say this earlier, but when I look back on success, right. I do I do think, you know, I'm not like in Times Square on a billboard right now or anything like that, but I think success can be different things at different times in your life. And through all these places, Austin, L.A., Seattle, there's always been these like spikes that happen. And so don't get too caught up with like one day, I'll, like everything's going to magically work out. Understand that along your path of doing this, um, it's very rewarding to look back and it's not just this, oh, I'm here one day. It's like, wow, this cool thing happened. This cool thing happened as an artist or as a creator. And success, it's like, it's very much a roller coaster, but it's like, it's totally worth doing and just keep doing it and, and just keep doing it. Stay consistent um, until you get gray in your beard like like me and <laughs> until you can no longer dye your hair black and swoop it because you're bald. <laughs> I hope you can send me a picture. I want. I need to see what it looks like. <laughs> Amazing. And what is the easiest way for people to reach you? Easiest way for people to reach me would be, um, yeah, social media. Um, I have a website earlier, earlyinternetmusic.com. That's a mouthful, though. But (laughs) if you just search Instagram and TikTok at earlyinternet, um, you'll find me there and just shoot me a DM or whatever. Hell yeah. This has been the NAS podcast with Early Internet and. Early internet. Sorry, I wasn't Ah, looking at the camera. Early internet. (laughs) Amazing. And we did it.